0: Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is 1 million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details.
1: Whether you're at the end of your rope or feel trapped in a situation that is holding you back, I'm here to help you fix and rise above. You're not alone. Hi, I'm Christine Kozachuk, and I've been exactly where you are. I went from a life of poverty and abuse to success in business and life. Through my own self-discovery, I learned that the key to overcoming tough obstacles is to start with yourself. What is it that's holding you back from your true magnificence? What thoughts are swirling around your head that cause doubt and prevent you from moving forward? Let me join you in your journey to discover your truth and find solutions to help you live the life you deserve. Visit my website, fixandrise.com, and let's do this together. Welcome to Women Who Triumph. On today's call, we have Dr. Luster. 20 years of experience, Dr. Luster serves as an educator in the Atlanta area that has dedicated her life to serving at risk children. She has presented at numerous professional development workshops and conferences to both small and large audiences. She has more than 20 years of experience in her field and has presented her professional findings in various forums both large and small. In addition, she has volunteered within her community by providing workshops to assist at-risk students and motivational speeches to empower women and
2: minorities.
1: Welcome, Dr. Lester, to Women Who Triumph.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Can you share with us a little bit, um, and I see you're from Atlanta, I love Atlanta, but do not like Their traffic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) But I tell you, I think Charlotte's getting the same way. (laughs) Just depends on that (laughs) time of the the day. Um, Tell us about your your life's mission of serving at-risk children and why you have dedicated your life to that.
2: Well, I guess. I've dedicated my life to serving at-risk children because I was a child that would have been considered at risk especially by today's standards. Um I joke and say that I think that I wasn't considered special ed because I was a girl. And if you know anything about special education populations, usually boys, you know, are identified a little more than girls. But um I also you know had a lot of uh, deficits um growing up within the home and I guess through my experiences and encountering people who inspired me led me to realize that sometimes for a lot of children, they just need someone in their corner to push them. And I've you know, spent my time doing that, and I've reaped many benefits. Many of my children have went on to become doctors and lawyers. Um, and so I do feel that um, by following my calling, I have helped others. And I feel that that is what God has given all of us the task to do. Yes. And
1: I I so agree with you on that. You know, for me, I think a lot of children and it rung a bell to me one day when um, Chris Rock's um, mother was on there was speaking about, you know, children, what they wanted. They just wanted to be know that they are loved, that they're accepted, that someone is watching after them and, you know, taking care of them and guiding them in the right direction. Definitely, you know, and, you know, making sure that they, you know, succeed. In life. Um, now, at-risk children, do you you work with a nonprofit or?
2: No, I actually am an educator in the Atlanta City School System. Okay. And if you know anything about the city of Atlanta, um, the school system is about 99% uh, Title I, which would mean that about 99% of the students um, fall below the poverty line. They're mm-hmm. eligible for free and reduced lunch. We have a very high minority population we also have a very high population um, disproportionate to the number as far as a number of students with special needs um, whether they are mental or physical and so by serving in that population Mm -hmm. I've really seen Some children that, like you said, just need someone in their corner. Uh, Mm A lot of children, I say often to a lot of adults, we serve a lot of children that unfortunately have been placed in adult situations, you know, things like... um, you know they're 11 years old and they're wondering where their next meal will come from, or if there will be lights on at home. You know, to me, that's an adult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think of children, we think, you know, you, you know, a lot of people reflect back and they say, oh, when I was a child, you know, I wish I could go back and I didn't have to worry about bills or anything." But there are a lot of children that have adult worries and adult mm-hmm. situations, and so that's the the population that I serve, and. Again, you know, having done it for so many years, I am now at a point where I do see the benefit because it, it can be taxing, it can be trying, and uh, of course, you know, with a lot of those children, there are a lot of needs, and you have to recognize the needs you can feel and the needs that you can't. But I do feel that it's rewarding, um, even if it's just intrinsically rewarding, just the fact that you get that warm feeling when you see the child that everybody wrote off in, you know, seventh grade, walk across the stage, you know, (laughs) they're receiving a scholarship, those type of feelings. So that's, you know, one reason why I do it. That's what keeps me going.
1: I love that now and, and i I love the fact that you're you know work with at risk children, and I would like to talk to you more you know after the interview um because sure. I have some things in play in my you know my work and personal uh life that that I would like to you know talk to you about of how to do that if you you know if you don't mind after the interview nope, you know, at all at a later time, yeah now. Women Who Triumph is about women of obstacles that they've had to, you know, overcome in their life. So tell us an obstacle, you know, share with us a story of how you've had to triumph your way to success, an obstacle that you've had to go through, a firestorm that you've had to go through to be that successful woman you are today.
2: I've had quite a few. (laughs) Uh, I think (laughs) even from, from the beginning, actually, um. I was born in in the 60s at a time when you didn't have teenage mothers. And if you did have a teenage mother, she was a married teenage mother. Um, I was born to an unwed mother, and I remember – Feeling a lot, believe it or not, even as a child, because it was so uncommon. Uh, a lot of shame. You know, people would make comments. People would say things, and you'd be surprised at what people say within earshot of a child or around a child um, about things they really have no control over. But um, my mother was a very strong person. And one thing that I've always admired about her is that she had the power to rise above it. She now actually has retired. She's an award-winning educator herself. But at the time, I'm sure she didn't see that path for herself. Um, Growing up, I, again, as I shared, I had a lot of obstacles of my own. But by looking at the gifts and the talents that I had, eventually I was able to use those to my advantage. And so, you know, by gaining my education, you know, I went through um, being a young mother myself, um, going through divorce, um, you know, before I ended up remarrying to my husband I'm with now. But a lot of things that I endured, and probably even the most recent, um, I'm a four-year cancer survivor, breast cancer survivor. So I, I recognize that in life when we have obstacles and and things that get in our way each thing that you overcome makes you stronger absolutely and so when when those when those obstacles get greater it's kind of like you know bodybuilding you built up your muscles you built up your strength and so you say well if i made it through this you know i can make it through this i can forge on and so you know with that surviving cancer being the, the latest obstacle that i've overcome one of the things that I did during that time is just reflected on, Hey, I'm a survivor. You know, I made it through this obstacle. I fought my way through, you know, earning my bachelor's and earning, you know, my successor degrees. After that, I fought my way through being a single mom. I can fight through this chemotherapy and you know, beat this cancer. So that's one of the things that I try to tell women, you know, we don't always reflect on the battles that we've overcome because sometimes when we look at what's in front of us, it just seems so insurmountable. But with each obstacle, we gain strength, we get stronger, and we are able to triumph.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we we forget how, you know, tough we really are that we can just dust ourselves off and, you know, just, you know, continue on. Uh, I heard something the other day, you know, your past is okay to look at, but don't look at it too long because that is a learning experience for you just to keep, you know, keep going forward. But don't look at it too long. Um, So that was that was a little, you know, eye opener for me uh, on that, uh, you know, just to just to hear that. You know, don't look at it. Um, right.
2: My, but, but one of just, my what? one of my favorites is Les Brown's. If you can look up, you can get up.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, you can. Now, what is one word that describes you that you would say describes you, or someone else would describe you, and tell me why?
2: Um, probably. Tenacity. Um, I I have always prided myself on my ability to fight through and to remain steadfast and strong, especially when I have a goal that I want to accomplish. I I just, for whatever reason, and again, maybe it is just because I had to fight through a lot of obstacles in life early on, but I pride myself on having the strength to be able to, stand up and, and face things. And of course, you know, life is not easy and I'm not perfect. And I stumble quite often, but I do try to say to myself, well, I can get up and Mm -hmm. I can keep it moving. And, and I think sometimes as women, um, and this is just women period, black, white, whatever we, because we go through childbirth and, 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 you know, caring children and caring for children, we kind of learn that. And we don't Mm -hmm. always recognize our inner strength. You know, if you, Born children, that is uh, really hard on your yes. body, <laughs> on your <victory. laughs> yes. um, It's very painful, but, but you're laughing because it's something that women we really yes. take for granted. I mean, sometimes a woman to say, "Oh, I had three kids, oh, I had five kids," and you just think about, okay, you went through that. Mm-hmm. three times or five times it's a lot your body changes you know mentally you change certain things you can't control but you have the tenacity to keep going and it's so funny because most of us we do it again but yes. I think that, <laughs> but i think it's women too we tend to not think about that Um, I have a a coworker that was joking about the fact that she said, you know, I just wanted to go in the bathroom and take a bubble bath, and the kids were knocking on the door. I mean, you know, sometimes we take for granted the fact that we have a fortitude to give so much to people. And um, on the flip of that also, though, I think we sometimes neglect ourselves, but I think we need to recognize how strong we are. Because, yeah. you know, that's a gift.
1: Yeah. And and as women, we forget that and we forget to take care of
2: ourselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
1: We, we forget Definitely. that so much. And I had to laugh because when you said, you know, we do it again, and I always say we must have
2: very <laughs> short memory spans to go to do it again. <laughs> I once heard an an old joke. uh, Someone said that if if men and women could have babies, everyone would have three because the man would never want to take his turn again. And I mean, (laughs) but it's true.
1: (laughs) I love that. That That's too funny. I have to to tell my husband that one. (laughs) That's so funny. Now, if you have one thing of a woman that's and I know you're you're all about empowering women also if you have one thing to share with a woman that's listening today what lesson in life that you have learned that you would like her to hear
2: i would tell women that self care is the highest form of self love that you can give and i say that because when i when i completed my my doctorate degree my dissertation my topic covered women superintendents And I went in and I wanted to talk to these women about, you know, the things they'd done and how they'd accomplished their goal because in the educational field, being a superintendent is the highest position you can obtain. And what I found, one of the shocking outcomes was that each woman of of the 10 women I interviewed, I think like nine of them admitted that all of them at one time or another had held themselves back because they wanted to put their family first. Mm. And so I remember even one making a comment saying, well, you know, they offered me the superintendency, but my child was still in high school and I knew my mother-in-law would talk about me. So I told him to hold off until he was in college. Mm -mm -mm. And I remember when, when when I, you know, I interviewed her and I just remember sitting there inside going, wow. I mean, I doubt that a man would ever do that. Oh no. and no, and, so, and I and I I think it's you know, and I was disappointed because I said to myself, Wow, you know, while I admire these women, they're showing me that deep down women still have this issue with self care and place themselves first. And not saying that you have to be doggish and driven to the point that you neglect others. But my point is that despite all of their accomplishments they put more emphasis on what other people thought than what they really thought of themselves and they had no problem with saying well I'm going to put others first instead of caring for myself and a lot of them share with me you know issues with you know the fact that even with the self-care just finding time for themselves was difficult so you look at a housewife or a woman who might work, you know, at you know, Target or as a waitress, having those same concerns that a woman that's making six figures has. It's basically like a CEO. And so I think that really shared with me how for one, at the core as women, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because of the patriarchal society we're in, but we're taught to put our husbands, our children, everyone before ourselves. And the sad thing is that and when I encountered my own health obstacles, I realized that if you put everyone before yourself, if something happens to you and you're no longer here, then they're really going to suffer. And I don't mm-hmm. think we realize that. Yeah. Now, you know, I've heard
1: that so many times of women that I've, you know, interviewed, you know, about the self care and things. Uh, and, And just the question just came to me. Where do you think that has came from? Because, you know, it's I know as women, we have come so far and we still have a long way to go. Now, I said just not in the United States, but the worldwide as women. Definitely. And where do you think that that has come from? Do you think it's just the nourishing part of us? Or is it something that as we grew up, that's something that was always put in our mind to be that nurturer? But you can also be that superwoman, but you still need to be that nurturer.
2: What what do you think think? I think there may be a combination. I think part of it is our nature. You know, people argue, mm-hmm. yes, men and women, we can both do the same jobs, we're equal, but I think by nature, just the fact that we um become mothers, mm-hmm. we do have that nurturing side. But I do think another part of it is our society and the emphasis that we place and the idea and mindset that women have to fit into this certain mold. Um, you know, I once heard a woman say to me, you know, that when men and this is very true and men would become superintendents they didn't need a secretary they had their wives you know their wife wouldn't work so she could do little things but women when you get off work someone expects you still to you know come home and see about the house and cook dinner and things of that nature and so I do think some of it is the roles that we have in society but I also think too that at the same time Society puts an emphasis on us doing those roles. And so when we feel like we can't or we feel that we don't want to, there's a little bit of guilt there that we have to fight against. And I think, unfortunately, you know, women give in and they tend to say, well, I'll do this for me later. Let me do this for my children or my family first. Yeah, I I have
1: to agree with that. Now, you just co-authored a book called Live Your Best Life. Tell me a little bit about that and which chapter in it did you help co-write?
2: I actually uh, wrote within the uh, early portion of the book Um, where it's actually each person has, I think it's two chapters. Mm -hmm. And in my section, I talk about, because at the time that it was written, um, I talk a lot about self-care and how I neglected myself to the point that it ended up resulting in me um being diagnosed with breast cancer. And I talk a lot about that and basically the point of my chapters was just to encourage women that if you have dreams, if you have goals, if you have things that you want to do, not to wait until you're looking at your bucket list which I was literally and saying, oh I want to do this, I want to do that, oh I don't have time for this. And so that was really the point of uh the writings that I had there. Um, One of my goals was to be an author and I just had put it off and I always felt there was something else to do. And so while I was undergoing uh, cancer treatment, when I would go to my chemotherapy sessions, I decided um, after talking with um, Dr. West, you know, he said, well, you know, if you're not planning to die, why don't you write your book? And so my goal was just, I'm going to write a book. I want to see my name on the cover. You know, and I just rushed to finish it. Something I have been putting off for years. I think I started the book itself even years earlier, but never felt the right time. And so since then, you know, I've I've authored quite a few other books, just getting over that first hurdle. But I try to encourage women that sometimes when we neglect ourselves, you know, you end up paying the price, and I paid the price with my health. And yeah. so that's one reason why I become an advocate for women, just to think about. Um, putting themselves first and not just for health reasons, but even your own physical, uh, I'm using your own mental health, you know, just taking Mm -hmm. some time out for yourself each day, just thinking of yourself sometimes so that you don't always feel that um, you have to be placed last because you don't. No, you
1: don't. And that's that's one thing that uh, you know, I always I would tell my husband and but now he understands it, I would to call it my me time. You know, right. it's my me time. You know, the kids are staying. I'm gonna have my me time. Right. <laughs> and right. and you know, the me time would be, you know, driving up to the lake and maybe just sitting there ten minutes to clear my head. Um right. you know, because that mental part, you know, it can really get to you. But he understands Definitely. the he understands the me time now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Definitely. But, now, if others want to get a hold of you, uh, you know, speaking or, you know, anything, you know, for your book, how would they contact you to, you know, speak more about what you do and how you can actually help them?
2: Well, I have a website. Um, I actually have uh, one for speaking. And my website is my first and last name. So it's A-D-R-I-A-L-U-S-T-E-R, Andrea dot com. And. On that website, you can um, contact me through there. You can also email me at drluster777 at yahoo.com, and you can contact me regarding a speaking engagement um, in that manner as well. I just realized,
1: Doctor Luster seven seven seven, and your book one of the books that you have on your website. Because I, I love just going through the websites as I'm talking to my podcast <laughs> uh, podcast guest. Is you're overcoming adversity, seven steps to success, and your and your emails, Doctor Luster seven seven seven. So tell me right. about the seven 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 in your life.
2: Seven is my favorite number. Always has been. Um, it's played significance in a lot of ways with me, and so it's just uh one of those things that I tend to <laughs> to you quite often the book itself I actually did not purposely do seven chapters it just kind of grew into that um with the seven steps but again that's just a what am I, I want to say lucky number maybe um, that I like to use and so
1: yeah, I get teased about it a lot. I love it. It just dawned on me when you said that and I was like, and I was looking at the seven, is like, (laughs) like, there's got to be a reason for that. Well, Dr. Luster, (laughs) thank you so much for sharing your story and, you know, and cheers to so much success with you and I am looking, actually looking forward to us possibly working together and because, you know, with empowering women and at-risk children and um we you have know everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well you heard a little bit about my story on stage a little bit so um but you know it's I'm really looking forward to it. I've met so many great people, you know, uh, lately and I've you know and you're absolutely one of them. And if I'm ever in Atlanta or if you're ever in Charlotte, you know, knock you know knock on my door and say, "Hey, I need a place to sleep."
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> yeah. But
1: again, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, and I look forward to seeing you again.
2: Thank you. Have a good day